friends, and welcome to the Life-Saving Gratitude Podcast. We have a very interesting guest and very different from what we've done before. Debbie and Zia is a sex coach and a psychotherapist who was formerly an attorney, and her list of accomplishments is long. But what I want you to know is that we are talking today about how gratitude can improve relationships. When we've done this before, we've talked a lot about how it um, how it helps you grow as a person, how gratitude is a great strategy, how being grateful in the darkness is an incredible gift and, and quite tricky at times. And yet today, we just jump right in and talk about a lot of how gratitude can possibly save a relationship. And we talk about body image. And I'm going to be really frank with you. On occasion, Debbie has said things that surprised me and that I, while I found them valuable um, in terms of of a different viewpoint, I, I, I didn't agree with every single thing she said, but I was so grateful that she came on and talked frankly with how relationships can work and how they can be improved. And I'm interested to hear how, what you thought, Johanna. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that's a fair assessment. And I think that that's, that's true. There's a lot of really good points that Debbie makes. And, you know, like you said, she's a, she's an intimacy coach and kind of does some, some life coaching, but she does have a very like specific niche and you know, it's, it might not apply to every person in every relationship. You know, I, myself, I'm not in a heterosexual, uh, marriage. Uh, and it is, you know, her advice is very heteronormative, very gendered. So just to kind of give that, I guess, disclaimer upfront, but I think a lot of our listeners will, will get some good points out of it. You know, I loved the conversation the two of you had about, um, body image and especially you learning to love your scar after your, your surgery, after you had colon cancer. Um, I thought that was really beautiful. And so I think that's like a good thing to stick around for. And, you know, I think it's just, like you said, you know, it's one person's point of view, but I think we, it was a good conversation with you and Debbie, and there's a lot of things you can take away from it. She also, you know, offers like free consultations. If anybody, uh, feels like they, can get something out of this episode and then want to continue speaking with her. Like you said, the gratitude piece is obviously what's most important to us and what we focus on. I thought that was really cool because I've actually heard that advice before that, um, you know, uh, I, I know people that will sit down with their partner spouses the end of the day and just say, you know, these are the things that I appreciate you for like, and making that a practice just like we have talked about other gratitude practices, but actually sharing that with your significant other so that they, they know, like, cause we can go day to day in autopilot, just like we talk about all the time. We talk about mindfulness. Um, you can be on autopilot with your partner too. And, and, you know, just go day to day without taking the time to show your appreciation for them. So I think that was a big part of this episode and a really important thing for us to be reminded of. Right. And I, and I also want to be really clear, and I know you have a strong opinion about this, and I think it's important for us to state it. One of the things that Debbie says is that um, she wanted to coach rather than 
then do psychotherapy because she felt like psychotherapy comes from a place where you discuss pain and negative and and that it's negatively based and i'm i'm sure i'm not saying it nearly as eloquently as she does but i know that that is not you're a counselor and i know that that's not what you or lisa or the i don't i know that's not the place you come from so i'd really like for you to address that piece yeah i think um there's a lot of different stigmas around mental health and therapy and just if if nobody's had experience with therapy and they kind of maybe take what Debbie says. Um, I, I get where she's coming from and I understand like at her as a coach, what she's saying, but um, she does mention, you know, therapy is different from coaching, which of course it is. Um, but it's not always focused, you know, on the negative or the pain. As she says, there are a lot of therapists that come from a strength-based perspective. Um, uh, you know, myself, Lisa, a lot of therapists, I know that's um, a very popular modality now. So just, just to kind of put that out there as a PSA, if people are thinking about going to therapy and um, they're worried that that's all they're going to focus on, you know, this is kind of going off topic, but even, even now with the focus on trauma, it used to be very typical for therapists to want their clients to like relive their trauma and go through it over and over again. But we're like, really the, the profession is trying to steer away from that because we've figured out, you know, that is not the healthiest thing. So um I guess that's just me coming from the social work, mental health side, trying to remind people that therapy is not always scary and not always um, focused on, on negative, but uh, man, I think this, this conversation is, it goes in a lot of different directions, Um, different than what we've had in the past, but I think um, our, I think our listeners will enjoy it, but yes, just to be warned, we're going to talk about sex. So if that makes you squeamish at all, or if you have little ones in the car with you, maybe, you know, skip this one till later. (laughs) Well, and, and the other thing that I will say that she says very well, and that I believe is that um, if you want to win in a relationship and, and Johanna, I think this works in a it works in a parenting relationship Mm -hmm. or in a professional relationship, or, you know, I'm really involved with a nonprofit and I manage a lot of different people, boards. And if you, if you want to win in a relationship, being powerful, exerting power over someone or taking them for granted is not the answer. Letting them know how grateful you are for what they do, for how they serve their community, for how they serve your business. Or uh, I, I think that's a, an amazing strategy. And, and like you said, it's one, we tend to take for granted the people that we see on a regular basis. And especially the ones who have, have, you know, pledged to be our partner forever. It's, it's so (laughs) easy to fall into the trap of not seeing them. So I thought that was great. That was, that was really important information to share. And, and that's a good reminder. Uh, I think it reminds me too, as I was listening back, I was thinking of kind of the best advice you've given. uh, I think Zach and myself, like in a, in a marriage or in any kind of relationship, like not to keep score. So this is, this podcast talks a lot about the opposite of that, right? Like, um, showing appreciation for all the, all the little things day to day, instead of saying, oh, well, you didn't do this and I did this, you know? So I think that is really good relationship advice too. Yeah. And so we're dying. Take a listen. (laughs) Um, Please um, contact Debbie. If you think that she could be helpful for you in your current relationships. And I, I'm fascinated 
about what she does. I think, wow, what a, what a cool, what a cool job, and and what a way to help people. You know, rather than not talking about sex, which you know, I grew up in a in a generation where we never, you know, we didn't bring it up. Certainly not with the people who I don't even know what I'm trying to say. But it's <laughs> but it's cool. It's I like that she's so open and upfront about achieving intimacy and about being responsible for your own pleasure. I thought that was good stuff. I thought, you know, um, the body image stuff. So stick around, listen to it, and please get in touch with Debbie if you think that she can be helpful to you. And here we go. Hi there, friends, and welcome to the Life Saving Gratitude podcast. I have a special guest today, Debbie Elzia. I hope I said that correctly. Um, and Debbie is an intimacy specialist for women as well as a psychotherapist. But, but I love this part of her bio, and I think it's appropriate for um, our determination to help people have a more fully realized life in general. And that is that Debbie is a sex coach. And um, she's in her bio, she says, I'm a romantic and I delight in discussions of sex and love and male female, female dynamics and differences. And um, I, Debbie and I have spoken on the phone a couple of times and it's just some great ideas and some great tips for, um, we were, and I was trying to think of the best way to say this before Debbie, I sort of reigniting whatever relationship you're in. Am I correct? Yeah. Um, how gratitude is important for keeping the attraction alive. Is that what you're asking? Well, I think, yeah, I think, I mean, there are so many facets to this and it's so essential to our mental well-being. but um, I I'd love to hear what, first of all, I want to hear your backstory. I want to know um, what you'd like our guests to know about you and how you came to this um, job that I, I think some of us would, would uh, well, first of all, we're going to be fascinated with it, but it, I mean, it sounds to me like it's fun. Well, I like to think of myself as a divorce buster, as someone who grew up in a broken home, and then I did the same to my daughter, and all of these largely had to do with sexual issues. Uh, I was in a long sex-starved marriage my first time around, so I had a lot of time to think about sex and love and relationships and such. And then I created life-changing intimacy with my beloved husband. And then this became a second career for me. I was an attorney before. So my um, beloved asked me some years ago after we had discovered or sacred sexuality together, which is like where spirituality and sexuality meet. And it's so conscious and beautiful that he asked me, well, what are you interested in? What do you want to do? What, what are you passionate about? And I said, love, sex, romance, keeping people together so they don't have to raise their children in broken homes and such. So that became um, a, a new path for me. And I just decided because of so much, the, the woman ultimately, I believe, has so much power to change the dynamics of the relationship that I focus 
now on helping the woman single-handedly change the dynamics of her loving relationship, her marriage. And again, it's like an alternative to marriage counseling, which I believe most men will go kicking and screaming into because it is just so against guy code to go in and talk to a stranger about your feelings, your fears, your failures, and to do so in front of your woman who you want you know, her love and respect and admiration from, it's just not always ideal for a couple. And so I have developed methods that help the woman single-handedly change the dynamics. Does that make sense? I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm dying to hear. When you and I talked about it, um, I said, you know, we do a podcast about gratitude. And you said, a lot of times in my initial coaching session, one of the things you'll talk with your with the women you're working with is about expressing their gratitude for their spouse. Yes. Did I get that right? Yeah, that's right. If you want to change the dynamics of your relationship within days, you know, if not, I mean, it might take a few weeks, but my goodness, within days, um, Women come in often like my husband's a bad guy. He he needs to change, right? That's often right, the way they right, start, right. He's a yes. bad guy. He needs to change. So one of the first in the first session, I start to say, look for things that ways that your husband is a good guy, right? Look for appreciate the things that he does for you because we tend to, as human nature, hone in on the negative. We notice that he hasn't taken the garbage out. We notice that he isn't this or that. But instead, if we start noticing what he is, like what is your why did you marry your husband? He you must have married him for a reason. You you loved him for some things. What did you love? What did you or do you love, admire, or respect about your husband? And they usually come up with a pretty good list. Like the basics are there. He's a good provider. He's kind. He's fun. I mean, good stuff there. And it's just like when you start to focus on the good things, then you you know let it slide that he leaves his socks on the floor. Right. I mean, you don't take it personally that he he needs to be reminded to take out the garbage. So focus on the good things about your man. And then I have them tell him at least one a day. Tell him one a day thing that you love, I admire or respect about him. And many times they haven't. So women might think this. We might know we're married to a good man and he's a good guy and he's trying and he works hard. But do we tell him? We forget to tell him. And men play for points, right? They have this kind of competitive thing in their nature and they want to know, am I, am I scoring? Am I scoring points with my women? And if we don't dole out appreciations to them on a regular basis, they don't want to try very hard, do they? That is so interesting because I think that we tend to not think in those terms. I mean, I'm not playing for points. And you're, I don't know if you are, but I, it's not in my nature to keep score. I, I think, I think some, some wives do keep score, but, but you're saying that the guys want to feel like they're winning every single day, right? Yeah, sure. That's one way to look at it. Yeah. They want to know that they're pleasing you. They want to know that they are appreciated. And the best way to show appreciation is to notice. Thank you for doing that. Thank you. I love the way you do this. I'm glad you are this. I mean, if you just give a little appreciation to a man, he's going to start to look for ways to please you. Wow. That, 
So powerful, Bunny. Bunny, it is so powerful. Well, and it's so, um, it's such common sense. But don't, I think that people who, who are in relationships, um, I, I mean, we do tend to take one another for granted after a while, don't we? And I mean, certain things you can take for granted, but if you want to improve your relationship, this is like the lowest hanging fruit that you can grab onto. What do you love, admire, respect about your husband and tell him once a, one a day? It will change. It could change the entire course of your relationship. He will start, the women come to me and they're like, oh, he's been so nice. He's just been so nice. You know, um, I used to have to nag him about this and we had this curtain rod that needed to be hung and it's been sitting here for two years. Well, when I was out, he went and hung it up. You know, it's like literally hearing things, stories like that within weeks, within no time at all. We were talking about how you have you have clients who say that um, they try this method and then and the behavior of the person that they're uh, I mean, in this case, it's their partner, or their spouse. But um, that behavior starts to change because they're expressing how grateful they are for what they're doing. Yes. It's amazing. It works quickly. I even have done like some coaching on how to get your man to help out more around the house and such. And that's part of it too. show gratitude. Also, as an intimacy and sexuality coach, of course, my emphasis is, are you connecting intimately in the bedroom? Because that will also motivate a man to help be more helpful around the house. If he's not feeling nurtured in that area, well, you know what? He might not feel that helpful either. So... Oh, because remember that, that initial, um, and I and, and the way I understand it is this is what you want to get everyone back to, but, but that initial sort of drunkenness that you feel when you're in a new relationship and a new, and you're newly attracted to somebody. It's not sustainable in a long-term relationship. So if you no longer feel that way about your partner, like you did for that first year or two, you are not alone. You are not broken. There's nothing wrong with you. That is totally normal because at the beginning of the relationship, I mean, let's face it, survival of the species is so programmed into every creature on earth's DNA. So your cells are telling you, your hormones are telling you, reproduce, reproduce, procreate, procreate, right? And that there's a hormone release called PEA during that time that causes you to like think about your beloved all the time and such. Well, after that, it's not sustainable though, because that hormone fades after a year or two and it turns into oxytocin, which is the bonding or cuddle hormone that's designed to keep you together for the longer term. So it's totally normal, Bunny, for that kind of passion to die. And that doesn't mean that the thrill is gone and the relationship is over, but it does mean that you actually will need to put some effort into cultivating lovemaking um, and different different style of relating to each other and prioritizing it when it doesn't seem like you're just walking around turned on all the time. You can still have a great love life. Absolutely. For the long term. So I just so so when you I want to I want to understand how this works and how successful it is when you coach somebody who has who's slowly learning to appreciate their their spouse or their partner again, um, other than the the appreciation piece. What's next? Well, I mean, there's there's many different aspects. As a, as I work one on one with coaching, it would be a it would be very much customized on what are you needing most in your relationship. But let's say the sexual piece is what is what has been lacking, and often I mean, four in ten women experience 
either low desire, you know, low libido or low pleasure, you know, lack of orgasms and such. So that doesn't inspire them exactly to want to make love on a regular basis. So um, a, a side approach, in addition to getting the relationship in, you know, happy again, emotionally connected again, those are uh, the, getting emotional connection is often the biggest source of desire for a woman is that she feels like we are spending quality time together. He sees me. He wants to be with me. We're affectionate, right? That is often the biggest increase uh, for women in libido. So we have to get the relationship where it feels loving and playful again. But also there's many different blocks that cause a woman um, to have low desire, to have a lack of pleasure in love ma- lovemaking. And you know what? Most of them are not the man's fault necessarily. They are emanating from our very our negative conditioning about sex, our inability to relax and be in the moment, our lack of confidence and worthiness and such. So I would simultaneously work with her on unblocking blocks that she might have to intimacy. And, you know, maybe maybe her man is a lousy lover and that is a cause of it. But what have we done to explore what it is that we like and provide him with, here's here's what I like, rather than just saying, oh, don't do that, right? Wow. And, 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 I, and I know we talked about, you and I are going to want to revisit this a couple of times, but I do want to shift to, you told me the six things that a woman needs to know. Yeah, yeah, I did a publication for the American Association of Marriage and Family Therapists, which is kind of eye-opening, and that is not every challenge sexually is a couple's problem. Many of them originate with one of the partners. And in the case of women, I've identified six things that women need, which are knowledge. And by that, I mean knowledge about her, about the female arousal cycle and what, you know, uh, even anatomy. Most women don't even understand really their own anatomy arousal and then knowledge about what she likes. Then there's worthiness and confidence. I mean, if you are trying to suck in your belly, you are not going to be present and enjoying yourself. If you are judgy or full of guilt and shame, there's practically nothing your man can do to turn you on if you have um, you don't feel worthy and confident. So how do we work on that? We, we attack that in coaching. Um, time. Women need time. Our bodies take approximately 10 times to get fully aroused compared to a man's. So being aware that that is natural and normal, how to get the kind of turn on you need. Time also means prioritizing your love life, not just making it the, you know, you wanna at 11 o'clock at night. That's never going to work in a long-term relationship. One more is embodiment, the ability to get out of our busy, busy, distracted minds and be present in the moment in our pleasure. Another one is creativity, like bedroom boredom sets in for both men and women. We need variety and how do we know we like if we've not explored it? And I say for last, what I believe is actually the most important for most women, which is emotional connection. If we don't feel safe and we don't feel a seen and appreciated by our partner. For a female, at least, we are not going to feel in the mood. So as you can see, female sexuality is complicated. There's a lot of moving parts. It's an art, it's a science, and it's a learned skill. And that's what my coaching is designed to provide. Well, one of the points that you brought up is the confidence piece. And um, we, as women, we tend to not ever think that our body measures up. I mean, it's, is it, is it rare? The client you have who says, wow, I absolutely love my body. I think I look amazing naked 
Oh, occasionally, but um, but generally, no, that's not it because we are conditioned even, I don't know how it comes, conditioning. I almost think it's natural for women to always want to compare ourselves to some ideal that is better than us. We don't even have to know that person. We've just seen them on what Instagram or the movies. We're always comparing ourselves to some ideal and 99% of us don't look like that. They don't even look like that. It's just so unrealistic. We have to stop being so hard on ourselves. And gratitude is one of the exercises that I use. There's a number of exercises in feeling more body confident, but gratitude is one of them. It's like, let's stop focusing on how our body looks and let's start thinking about what wonderful things it can do for us. Let's think about how good it can feel, how nice and soft our skin feels, how good it feels to be touched, how much is our partner? Because for the most part, our partner is never as judgy about our body as we are ourselves. In fact, if your partner's a man, it's not even on the short list of things a man wants from a, from his woman. He wants his woman to desire him. That's the number one thing about uh, a man. He wants a woman who's into it, who is enjoying herself, who can be pleased. So, you know, the, the shape of her body is not even on the short list for a man. He wants you to be present, enthusiastic, want to be with him. And that is a mindset shift that many women, once they've made that leap, they feel like they're having fun now. And I always say also, you're the only naked woman in the room. <laughs> I love that. And it's so true. I, but I like that is a huge consciousness shift when you stop thinking that they that the, the man you're with cares more about what your body looks like than the fact that you desire them. I mean, isn't it a shift when they suddenly realize how much we desire them as opposed to what we're thinking about? Yeah. If you, if you don't believe it, ladies, ask your man. So do you have, if so are we always, I, I love, I'd love for everybody to just call you up and hire you as a coach because that's where where the good, the hard work begins and the really effective works. But if you were, um, if you were giving somebody a few tips today for how to begin to love your body again, where would you start? Where would you tell our listeners to start? I always like to start with the the lowest hanging fruit, which is start with what you like about your body, right? And your, you know, let's say it's your hair or your, your hands and your fingernails and things like that. Really put a focus on what you like rather than those things that you don't like. And that's a neat thing about coaching versus therapy. Um, I think in therapy, the tendency is to focus in on the pain, the problem. And because I use a lot of positive psychology methods, be, um, the whole field of positive psychology is all based upon what makes life good? What makes life worth living and human flourishing? And how do we get more of that? So just like in my coaching, which is, you know, focusing on gratitude, what are you grateful for in your life? Um, you can say this thing about your body. What do you like about your body? And then let's emphasize those. Let's make ourselves look, you know, if we like our eyes, put on some mascara, bat your eyelashes, play it up, right? Does it make sense? It does. And, and um, when we were talking on the phone, I was telling you how hard it was. For, you know, I'm a colon cancer survivor and I have a 12 inch scar on my gut and it goes from the bottom of my rib cage down below my um, belly button. And that's where they opened me up and took out part of my colon and part of my liver. And 
it took me a long time to love that scar. And, and, and we are products of the lives that we've led. So everybody's got scars in some way. And I, you know, I'm 61 this year. I don't have the same body I had when I was 27 or, you know, even when I was 47. But once I figured out that that scar um, was a symbol of what my body could survive. And once I learned to be grateful for that scar, I mean, there were years when I was afraid that somebody was going to see that scar. And now it's like, this is a celebration. And that that's a big shift for me to have learned how to love my body again after I kind of felt like it betrayed me. Yeah, but it survived, didn't it? It, it protected you. It kept you alive. It, it did survive. You know, our ancestors, our ancestors would be dead of old age by our by our time. You know, um, I always like to take a historical perspective. So much of my stuff is based upon evolutionary psychology, and our ancestors, our caveman, cavewoman ancestors, our you know, we were gatherers, and our men were hunters and warriors. And I mean, all of this extra life we have, look at us, we, the way we, we never, we, we, you know, our children survive childhood. It would be like half the children would not survive childhood. We live in amazing times where we can expect to live into old age and be sexy into old age. You know, we don't have to give up on our sexuality just because we hit menopause and such. So um, it's all how we approach it. And if we approach it with gratitude and an explorer mindset, we don't have the same body we had when we were twenties, but we still, you know, we still got a lot of good things that we can appreciate about our lives, our bodies, our partners. So tell me, um, Talk about self-care because we've, one of my words for this year is care and, 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 and that is going to manifest itself hopefully in self-care, but talk about how self-care um, is good for life and relationships. It's huge. I always say, ladies, you are, your self-care is not only not frivolous, your man will thank you for it because you know what your partner wants more than anything? He wants you to show up in a good mood and be happy. And if you are not taking care of yourself, if you are overwhelmed and frazzled and run down and stressed and in poor health due to all that, there's nothing your, your partner do to make you happy. This is within your control. You know, you have to do things that make you feel good, that relieve your stress so that you can show up in your life happy. And is self-care the same for everybody? Oh, no, I, it's totally different. I mean, it's it's defined the same, which is doing things that make you feel good in the moment, not just like, oh, I feel good when I put away the laundry because I don't have to look at it anymore. That's not really self-care, right? <laughs> No, <laughs> self-care means no, like I like to listen to music. I dance. I go out in nature. I I have social uh, engagement. I love, you know, I, I do things that feel good to me now. So you would have to explore it. What do you enjoy? I, oh my God, I did the most amazing thing with my husband the other day because he's not, you know, he's not a, he's in the automobile industry. He's a regular guy. He's not like, you know, like many men, he's not like fixated on self-growth. He's like, I'm good with me the way I am. Right. I love that about men. <laughs> but the other, but I tried some, an exercise on him because he was really glum and gloomy the other day and the whole world's going to a hell in the hand basket and COVID and politicians and that stuff. But I'm I'm like rather than join in funk, I did this exercise with him on self basically like self care and gratitude. And so when I 
presented it to him, he was like, I don't want to do that. Right. Typical man. Right. I'm not going to do that. And so what I did was I said, oh, you are so stressed out. Get over here and let me give you a massage. So I'm like, I'm going to give him a massage. And rather than kind of push this exercise on him, I said, I'm going to say one thing that I'm grateful for or one thing that I like to do. And then you say something that you're grateful for. Or that you're right. I don't want to use the word self-care. <laughs> so we started doing that and he would stop. He'd be like, oh, he was so crabby that he said, you know, I, I, he only said one thing. He goes, sex with you. And that's the only thing. And I was like, come on, keep going. So I stopped massaging him until he come up with a new thing. And so I'm, you know, touching him and he loves to be touched. And he came up with teen things that he likes and is grateful for. And I'm like, how's your mood now, honey? And he's like, it's actually really good. <laughs> so, so that was him to brainstorm and change his mindset shift. So even if your partner is in a glum mood, you don't have to join them. I mean, you could, you can be the high vibration, cheerful one in the, in the partnership too. And that is one way is if you focus on your self-care, you don't get pulled down into the dumps as, you know, easily. You know, it's, it, that's it's so interesting when you said that about him not being interested in self-growth, because this is a complaint I'm hearing from a lot of my female friends is I'm so dedicated to self-growth. I'm so interested in changing my life and becoming bigger and better. And my guy is not that at all. Is that a complaint you hear pretty frequently? Yeah. And to some extent, I mean, if your guy is just fixated on video games and things like that, I could understand where that would be a huge frustration. Um, but on the other hand, if it's not the case, if he's a good guy and he's like a good provider and he works hard and then he plays hard or whatever he does, he lives his life. Oh my gosh, please do not dump your husband because he is not on the self-care path. I see that like posted on social media like that. I'm really into yoga and spirituality. My husband is not. Should I dump him? Heck No. You know, absolutely not. We cannot change another person to be exactly who we are. That's just not fair. You know, it, it's not fair and it won't work. And um, good luck finding somebody that is everything that you want in the whole world. Go. It's wonderful that you live a time and, you know, a relationship that you have the ability to pursue yourself, self-growth. But as my husband says, can't we just what's wrong with just being good with who we are? I mean, that is to be celebrated. too. <laughs> well, he's right. That is to be celebrated. Absolutely. I mean, we beat ourselves up on self-growth if we're not growing every day. I think that is a new trend in that women beat ourselves up. It's one more thing to beat ourselves up against. I'm not growing fast enough. It's like, can we ever just take a break and be happy with who we are? I posted something the other day. It was a quote that I borrowed from somebody else, but it was like, you know, I was listening to my body and I was saying, what does she want? Does she want more water? Does she, you know, does she want me to, you know, to exercise more? Does she want uh, me to take her on a hike or take her to a spa? And it was like, what, what if she's saying, um, just love me exactly the way I am right now. And we tend to just think we've. Hey, Bonnie, let's do an exercise on that. That reminds me of an exercise. Why don't we just let's do it? Close our let's eyes do it. And take a, a couple of deep breaths because a big part of my coaching is guided meditations. I mean, we have to. We we need them for so many things. We need them for our happiness. It gets us into our relaxed state of mind that makes us feel happier with ourselves, with our lives, with our beloved, with our body by just being 
relaxed and present. And this is also key to lovemaking because the best lovemaking comes from a place of relaxation. So Bunny said something really profound. So why don't we take a few and just notice how safe we are in this body, how safe we are in this moment and how this is enough. Just for this brief moment, let's just breathe and notice how we are enough. We are safe. We have the ability to take a few breaths and just relax and just let judgment go and be grateful to just be you for a change. And I invite you to say out loud or in your head, thank you, thank you. And I invite you to say out loud or in your head, I love you, I love you. How's your, what are you noticing now? I think my blood pressure has gone down and I'm really relaxed in this. It's like my arms relaxed and there you go. See, that's within you. It took us seconds, seconds to just relax, show a little appreciation, notice how safe we are in this moment. And imagine if we could live our lives that way. Well, and you mentioned that that was a good practice for lovemaking. Do you suggest oh, that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we are responsible largely for our own. Like I said, we are up in our busy, tense, judgy, distracted minds. Our man would have to be a magician to turn us on. <laughs> That's so right. You're so right. Yeah. How is he going to turn us on from that place of tension and, and shame and guilt and all that? No, he can't. We are largely, we are responsible for our own state of mind and turn on. So yeah, if you want to, I mean, there's many ways to get into the mood. Um, and, and many times it's very individual. I asked the woman, you know, when do you turn yourself off, right? And she can usually come up with a whole lot list things that, oh, I turn myself off when I'm frazzled, overwhelmed, stressed, I'm angry at my partner, I'm this, I'm that, right? The, uh, all kinds of ways we turn ourselves off. And then I ask, how do we turn, how do you turn yourself on? What do you mean? That's like my partner's job to turn me on. And I'm like, you are outsourcing your sensuality, your sexuality to your partner. And he has no idea what it's really like to be in your head or even in a female body. And so no wonder it's not working out. What if you could figure out what it is that really puts you in the mindset to make love, that turns you on, the kind of touch you like, the kind of emotions you want to feel during lovemaking, and then how to get it from your partner? No, this is how you get what you want. He's not a magician or a mind reader. And am I right? It's, it's so erotic for a male when his female partner is so turned on, right? I mean, that's that just ups the eroticism factor, doesn't it? When And the intimacy factor, when you are turned on. It's the number one desire for your man. And so we have, I know we have guests who have little kids. I almost think it's impossible for this to work with somebody when they have little kids. What do you, what do you tell your clients that have small children? That is no excuse. Ah! <laughs> that is no excuse, buddy. It's no excuse. Your marriage should be 
<laughs> yeah, no excuse. Sorry, this is not the place to come to say, honey, when our kids are 18, we're going to have a great sex life. <laughs> I know. Can't I know. Mama, please, please. That is no excuse. Okay. There's like eight weeks that you're not supposed to have sex, even after making love. But my goodness, I've got clients that have given birth while we've been working together, and you can still have intimacy. You just, you, you have to take your mindset off of it's always penis and vagina intercourse, right? For, but there's plenty of, of ways to connect intimately outside of that. But anyways, if you have little kids, it's, it's, you know, you still have to make your, your marriage the cornerstone of your family. What a lot of women end up doing is, um, you know, like putting their kids before all else and their husband, poor guy, you know, is left begging for crumbs and in a sex starved marriage. And, um, that's, it's just not a recipe for happiness. So you have to prioritize it. If it means getting a babysitter, so be it. Get a sitter, you know, uh, if it means putting, you know, training your kids to get mommy and daddy need alone time. So be it. There's many ways around this and it is absolutely no excuse. So this is something I remember from my childhood. My parents have now been married 70, almost 72 years. And they're still crazy about each other Aww. and they're still very physical with each other. Um, my, you know, my dad used to embarrass all of us by patting my mom on the butt all the time or giving her slow, deep kisses in front of us. But um, <laughs> I knew as a child that my parents took a long nap every Sunday afternoon and the door was locked. I mean, that it was just what Are happened. Are you scarred by that, Bunny? And did it scar I'm not. It's, it was it was just the norm. It didn't bother me one it's bit. Lovely. And um, I was the youngest. And the other thing was that we only, you know, we lived in a farmhouse that only had a tub. And every night that when my mom was bathing, my dad would say, I'm going to go in and wash your mom's back. And and when I think about that now, I think how many kids grew up with that continual message that my spouse is the most important part of this family, our relationship, and you guys are going to be cared for and you're going to be safe and you're going to be loved. But this relationship is primary and it's a huge gift to grow up with that. Oh, it should be. I mean, look at your parents been together for 70 years. You probably moved out when you were 20. They, they, they you really oh, yeah. their one relationship is your spouse. Yeah, but that's just a good example of um, setting some boundaries with your kids. That I never even realized they were setting, except except they were there. It was part of our life. And that's how they ended up happy together for so many years. They prioritized their physical bond. They did. And you, I want to talk now about what you do. You, I see that you have two different programs that you offer to your clients. Um, the Cherished Woman and the Sensuous Woman. Am I getting that right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a big overlap. Um, it, it, because the overlap is largely on the emotional connection part. So because emotional connection is a big part of enjoying your sensuality and your physical relationship, there is a big overlap. So what happens is, is, is if you have a relationship that has conflict or is in shutdown roommate mode and things like that, I need to help the woman get the emotional connection, the safety, uh, and get herself in a good enough mood, right? So that they can become sexual explorers together. 
if you already are, have a great relationship, but you're not, you're not connecting wonderfully sexually, it's not pleasurable for you, then you can just focus on the sexual aspects. But a lot of the relationship needs to be in order. Um, and and I, I can help with that. And a lot of that has to do with uh, getting yourself happier, being responsible for your own happiness, reducing your stress levels. And so I use positive psychology in that aspect, which includes a lot of gratitude, self-care and other methods, uh, because you notice, Bunny, when you show up happy and in a good mood, your man is magnetically drawn to you. Absolutely. Yeah. It's and he wants you to be happy and unhappy, unhappy wife, happy life, right? So, so we have to get you happier with your life. And then looking at your husband through love colored glasses, building the intimate connection, um, knowing that your man is not a big hairy woman who is misbehaving, but that he views the world differently. How to get the best out of your man by treating your man in the few simple ways your man really does with being treated. So now you've created more attraction, right? You're you're happy. Now we can go on and be sexual explorers together. So I'm I feel certain. I mean, because you said four four and ten, or how, I, I can't remember the statistics. You said women who are in relationships where they don't have a physical intimacy of any kind with their spouse. What what do you what's the statistic? Do you think? No, that's not that's, that's not the stat. The statistic is four in 10 women suffer from low desire, lack of pleasure in sex or pain. It doesn't mean they don't have an intimate relationship. It just means that they don't really enjoy it much. Well, I'm, I'm just thinking about our listeners. And if we have, you know, a hundred downloads and there are, you know, uh, you know, 20 or 30 people who want to get in touch with you. Can we just give them an overview of how they get started? Yeah, I offer a complimentary call where we talk about your vision for your relationship, the challenges that you have. Um, often you can even just take my, I have a quiz on my website, which is what's your top block to bliss? You know, out of those six things women need for um, great lovemaking, it'll, it'll, it's a, there's a quiz on the subject. So we would talk about your challenges, your goals, and see if coaching, how coaching could be a fit for you. So my website is moreintimacy.net. So I chose the word intimacy on purpose because women hear the word intimacy. And for the most part, we think about like this loving bonding connection. Your man hears the same exact word. And what does he think of, Bunny? What do you think? Man hears intimacy. I, I think sex. He thinks sex. <laughs> yeah. Right. So it's all about how do you both get what you both want in your relationship. So I invite your listeners to listen to, um, to to find me on More Intimacy or my lively Facebook group called More Intimacy in Marriage for Women. So we're going to put the links to both of those, both your Facebook group and your website on the podcast. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to urge anybody who's curious to at least get on the website and do the, do the quiz and find out where you are, find out how Debbie can help you. Um, we always ask our, our guests what their own gratitude practice is. Do you have something you want to yeah. share with the guests? With our, I'm sorry. Yeah, I keep a gratitude journal next to my bed and I write in it daily. Or not always, not every single day, let's face it, but it works well enough. I've built up enough resilience from that, that things that are, um, that might get me down frequently don't because then I think about the things that I'm grateful for or it trains my brain to look for things throughout the day that I am grateful for. And that's a good way to go through life. It's a glass half full way to go through life. 
Um, I also stopped watching the news a few years ago. That's a big, that's a big plus. My goodness. And so, and I tell my husband things that I'm grateful for all the time. So, so that reinforces for me, damn, rather than like socks on the floor all the time. But I'm like, (laughs) I got a good guy. He works hard. You know, I don't take it personally that his socks are on the floor. So that's always good advice too. Don't take it personally. Not everybody is going to be or meet our standards. Oh, wow. That you just said a mouthful there. We, we could have an entire show about not taking it personally because that is the downfall. Lots of times in our relationships with others, whether it's professional or personal, but I love that you have that gratitude practice and that you said it builds up resiliency because we talk about that a lot. That gratitude creates resiliency. So Debbie, thank you so much. I know we want to revisit this topic and I want to hear from my listeners how they um, took your words to heart and perhaps contacted you, but um, I so appreciate you being here. It's my pleasure. Thank you, Benny. That's all we've got today, friends. I want to thank you for joining the Life-Saving Gratitude podcast with your host, Bunny Terry, that's me, and my producer and assistant, Johanna Medina. We feel like we're in the business of sharing the stories that save us, and we hope you'll share as well by letting your friends and family know about the podcast. Follow and like us wherever you listen, and please take the time to leave a review. Whether it's a stellar comment or a suggestion, we are open to suggestions all the time. Also, follow us on Instagram at Life Saving Gratitude Pod. You can also follow me personally at Bunny Terry Santa Fe. You can sign up at my website at bunnyterry.com to receive weekly emails about how to become the ultimate gratitude nerd. Thanks so much for checking in. <laughs>